About a year and a half in, we realized that because we were the only offering that was anything like us on the shelf, the stores were having trouble figuring out where to place us. And, you know, because there's one product. And so we decided, let's just have another line. And we asked our uh, assistant brewer at the time if he wanted to start his own meadery. And he goes, wait, what, what? And I said, no, really. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today we are joined by Kelly Klein, who, along with her husband Ricky, owns and operates Gronfeld Meadery, Vermont's leading producer of an age-old beverage. Welcome, this is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Well, the place is a buzz today, knowing you were coming in. Oh, my God. That's a good one. Are you serious? Is that a bee pun? I've been waiting. No, well, yeah, it is. (laughs) Blushing. He's been waiting for that one. (laughs) I have been practicing that. No, it didn't work? (laughs) I thought it was was actually a little bit too smooth for me, honestly. Okay. Um, Let's start as basic as we possibly could. What's mead? Excellent question. I get that a lot. So mead, very simply put, is an alcoholic beverage made from honey. So honey plus water plus yeast. You ferment all that sugar into alcohol. That's mead. Um, Mead. What we make is a little bit different from what a lot of people have had in the past because we make a craft mead, which is more like your craft beer or cider in both its packaging. We package in cans, 16-ounce cans. It has some bubbles to it. It's also what we make is dry. So it's not super sweet. People hear honey and they think sweet. It's not sweet. It's very refreshing, very sessionable. Um, Our best seller is just a straight meat, so it's just honey, and it comes in at 8.5%, so maybe not sessionable, but you get a a, nice taste. a double IPA sort of level. Yes, exactly, but it's very smooth. People do not believe us that it has that much alcohol because it's just so easy to drink. It sneaks up on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of other things. You can use other other ingredients. Um, we have a really popular one with, uh, so Nordic Farmhouse is a wild fermented meat with cranberries. So it's got a cool mm. sour characteristic, both from the cranberries and the wild yeast we use. Sort of like the Saison of mead, yes. if you will. Yes. So that's been really popular. Well, who's as- the expert now, Sam? <laughs> wow. <laughs> The sours are getting more and more popular, so that one's picking up. My favorite is from Havoc Mead. So we, I am the owner and CEO of both Grunfeld Meadery and Havoc Mead, and Havoc's got a product. So we have a ginger mead called Root of All Evil. My favorite is Hopswarm, which is a hopped mead. And now it's not Ooh. bitter hops like an IPA. It's dry hopped, and we also mix with a hop tea to give you good hop flavor, hop aroma. And then you can still taste that honey in the background because we don't overdo it on those hops. I'm like twitching. I'm so thirsty right now. With that this is my discussion. go-to. That's I, is it? Is that how you get customers? You yeah. just sort of talk about it. Well, no, actually, the best way is to say, "Here, try it." And so I apologize again for not bringing you guys any. That's a total oversight. It's, it's against policy here. Well, uh, very strict. Well, <laughs> uh, gifting. I guess we'll have to invite you back. Sometime. We'll go visit. We should go to the. Did you have a, a room, a tap room, or what do you call it? Well, for a little while longer, we have a tasting room, yep. but we're in the process of buying a building up in St. Albans. So right now, we are in Colchester, right behind the Costco, and we are open currently just Fridays and Saturdays, so we're sort of winding down there because we're hopefully going to be moving. We still have some hoops to jump through, but uh, up in St. Albans, we're going to be located in the industrial park there, which for zoning reasons, we can't have a tasting room, which is a bummer, but we're yeah. going to be, we're going to be out and about at tons of events and we're going to be posting all about it because we don't want to lose that ability to connect with people right, directly. Grow the audience and try mead. So can we, uh, what's the role of the bee 
in all this. And, yeah. and where protect do you, the bees. Yeah, the bees protect the bees. Essential. I get that. But um, how important is the honey or where you source the honey to what you do? It's extremely important on so many levels. So for one thing, and as I said, our best-selling product is just made from honey and water and yeast. So the honey is the thing that's giving it flavor. The yeast affects how it tastes in the end, but the honey is absolutely essential. We use all wildflower honey and we use all true source certified honey. So the two things that we get from that, the true source certification is really good because as you start to source larger quantities of honey, if we have to get from get it from different farmers or different parts of the country, we may not be able to trace it all the way back to where it came from. And so the true source certification, I think it was actually started by a bunch of different apiaries, a bunch of different beekeepers came together and said, like, let's make this certification so that we can really prove to our customers that what we have is high quality. And there were issues of actual uh, counterfeit honey coming from what? China that wasn't even it, honey. That's like the syrup Ew. business too, right? It was they corn totally syrup. It was corn, corn syrup, syrup that was flavored. And, and so that was banned, but then there was this whole thing crazy thing right around when we started our business where people were laundering honey from China, honey, quote unquote, no. from China through different places in Europe and trying to pretend that it didn't come from China by obscuring its its origins. Yeah. And so who knew it's it, it's all yeah. Bitcoin related. No it's, doubt. Right? <laughs> I was like, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened with honey, laundering <laughs> honey. And then the maple syrup highest happened. And I was like, oh, my gosh, the the concentrated sweet stuff business is just full is it like of the sopranos crazy. in this industry i mean you know you come across as sort of creative right. and, uh, <laughs> i did not realize what we were getting ourselves into I know. can today, you lock Dave? the door <laughs> Please, let's, uh, we're taping here so. Uh, so for a long time we sourced directly from a farmer and that was amazing because we knew exactly where it was coming from and then we we kind of got into this place where we were the wrong size for what he did we could probably at some point go back to working with him because he either does really small or really big uh, the way that we right. were sourcing it mm. um but we found a, a company that's not far away uh, that they basically, they source honey from around, but they do the true source certification. So we know that it's all truly wildflower honey. And what they do for us is they help blend the different different honeys from different parts of the world, depending on the season, so that it's it going to taste more or less the same throughout the year. Yeah, consistency. There's right, a lot of can variety, variety, right? Absolutely. And then throw your recipes off. and Spring honey versus fall honey versus summer all of those are going to taste really different. So they do a good cross blend so that we don't have a huge change in color or flavor when we when we get it from one season to the next. I mean, is that part of your secret sauce? Like no one, like where to, where to go get your supplier, right? <laughs> that's that's I mean, typically the one thing that we don't tell. We Everything else we do is open cool. source. So we actually have homebrew sized versions of all of our main products on our website. So on Grenfell.com, we have recipes that you can do in like a five gallon batch and you can certainly scale it up or down depending on your homebrew setup, but full homebrew recipes for people to try making clones of our meat at home because we want more good meat out there. We don't want to say... That totally blew me away, right? Your video series is really educational and they answer like, how do I make this? Great. Yes. Get a bucket and three ingredients oh, yeah. and go for it. But, yeah. but mysteriously, yeah. there is no buy your honey here <laughs> reference. So we do recommend wildflower for uh, a nice, consistent flavor. But what we really, truly recommend is getting raw honey. And this, mm. some people, you know, some of these things, I want to look into it because I don't want to be too hoity-toity. But one of the really good benefits of raw honey is all of those, when you don't pasteurize the honey, you have, uh, and, and filter it. But you still have pollen from the, from mm -hmm. the honey collection, and you have 
um, other sorts of things that provide a natural yeast nutrient. And we don't think about it, but yeast is a little living organism, and it it needs to have more than just a sugar diet. Just like a human, it doesn't do super great on a 100% sugar diet, and pasteurized filtered honey is basically just a hundred percent sugar it just interesting and so mm. when we make our mead we also add a lot, add yeast nutrient which is a sort of a blend of minerals and vitamins for the yeast to keep it happy and healthy but pollen is a natural yeast nutrient that makes your mead taste a lot better and it also adds just sort of flavor and body when you use a raw honey you're going to get a much better flavor in your end product and so that's one of the biggest things for homebrewers we say please you know Try to source raw honey. You can definitely make up for it with other things. We do have one product that doesn't use raw honey, and that one is um, Old Wayfair. We use like a really dark honey blend, and we do we put in a ton of nutrients, and we also use some dark natural sugars to give it this like almost molasses characteristic. And then we finish it on oak. So that one is really mm. cool and totally different from any mead I've ever had. It it's probably uh, beer lovers and whiskey lovers like that one because the oak and the, mm. the sort of rich caramely characteristic you get wow. is this like a time of year is this like march madness do you have mead madness going on is there a <laughs> season when we should really think about this really it's good all year round we have some that are designed for different seasons so about to be released in april is our probably our most popular and actually we won an award for it we don't usually submit Ooh. our recipes or our, our products to contests but mm. By submitting, Ricky also got to go be a guest judge for some of the other categories. It's a, it's a, I think it's great, great international. I may be wrong about that, um, but they do all kinds of alcohol, and he got to judge some of the beers and things. It's just as a Ooh, fun. Well, congrats fun, on that. That's great for. But a, so Buckland Mead, our summer seasonal, and the Buckland fact Mead. that it won was totally a surprise to me because. It is 4.5% alcohol. It's a lemon green tea mead. It's very light and subtle and so refreshing. And they were judging this last fall or winter. And the fact that that super light refreshing mead won in the spiced mead category. Hmm. So you'd think at that time of year, I'm sure there were other other cinnamon, honey, sweet, heavy meads probably being entered. That's probably why it won because it was so different and maybe, Maybe, but that doesn't always serve you well if you're up against these other things that are so bold. And and then we do have a winter mead as well, which is really, I do really like it in the winter. People say, do it all year round. And I go, no, 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 it has to be special. Yeah. And that our winter warmer is based on uh, an 18th century wassail recipe. So when, you know, here we come, a wassailing. Right. That was a tradition of going from house to house. Do I have to sing when for, I purchase it? No. No, thank you. Okay. No, yeah. only if you want to. I, I totally will. One of our bartenders will sing for you if you ask. Actually, some of them will. One of them you'll we be have glad to get he over did. Yeah. Yeah, the others you might not. Yeah. Um, actually, we have several very good singers on our staff. I oh. have myself lucky. It's always a good thing to have. Yes. We don't, We're, I don't think. No, we, no. Uh, no. the talentless. Yeah, definitely yeah, not. Really. <laughs> other, other Taylor's other got some talent. There are other but. Dave, between uh, Kelly and Sarah Keck, we are learning quite a lot about bees. We are. We, yeah. are. Well, we, had, we had Sarah true. from Bees Rap on. Yes, um, I saw that. A long time ago now. Who knows? The podcast timeline is... It's, it's great to it's see sort thing. of the, the ancient ways... Right, coming back mm-hmm. with back. A, a contemporary use and, and enjoyment of, of folks. So, why, let's talk, why did you start a business? Did you know you were starting a business when you get into this? Like, yes. Okay. So we we came at this from a different direction from a lot of people. We're not the accidental entrepreneurs. We knew we wanted to start a business, and we knew we wanted to be in Vermont. 
And then we started thinking and looking (laughs) around and trying to figure out what would suit us. And so my husband and I started the business together and we threw around a lot of ideas, started to pursue some and others. And the thing that kept creeping into every single idea was mead. And we were doing it as home brewers just for fun. And we've brewed everything. We've brewed beer and wine. And Ricky even tried sake, which is really hard. And anyone who does a good <laughs> job of it, I'm so impressed. Um, but we, you know, we even did fermented sauerkraut and all kinds of fun things. So we knew a lot about fermentation and alcoholic beverages. And we really liked making mead, even though we love drinking everything. It, the, the process of making mead, part of what we like about it is that there's so little waste. Mm. When you make beer, you have all this grain and you have to figure out what to do with it and all this hop slurry and cleaning the the vessel afterwards is it's all scuzzy and gross. When you're a home brewer, you can see it because it's a clear glass thing oftentimes. <laughs> and when with mead, it's just you dissolve honey and water. It's so straightforward. And then you don't have a big pile of soggy grain afterwards or anything really to dispose of. You just mix it and your brew day is so short too. And we were thinking, you know, if we don't have to shovel grain, but we can still make a really good alcohol, wouldn't that be neat? And also knowing that we wanted to be in Vermont was part of what inspired us to to actually follow that direction because um, we lived in Iowa for a while, which was wonderful. The people there, we still miss so many people there. We have friends out there. But Ricky worked in a beer store and people would regularly come in and ask for that cider beer, (laughs) meaning Woodchuck cider, Uh, but they called it cider beer because they just didn't really have context for any beverage that wasn't wine or beer. And so they called hard cider cider beer. And (laughs) so we're thinking they might not really have a mindset that's ready to accept the idea that, that mead could be a thing. Not everybody, obviously we had we knew a lot of people who were so excited about mead and Ricky actually became the go-to person because this was a joint homebrew and homebrew store and beer store. And anyone in the area who was making mead would come ask him, which helped him learn a lot really fast because Mm. nothing got to answer the question somehow. (laughs) Exactly. And so, and he didn't want to give them wrong answers. So he learned a ton by sort of being that go-to person in that store, which was great, a great way for him to get that background. So the seed was sort of planted in while you were still in Iowa. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we loved it out there, as I said, but we did miss the East Coast. We both grew up in the Mid-Atlantic and we missed Vermont especially. And we knew we wanted to be here. We knew we wanted a family and we knew we wanted to start a business because that seemed like the best way for us to be able to spend as much time as possible with our kids who didn't even exist yet, but (laughs) we knew we wanted to spend time with them. And so the idea of starting a business and then finally this mead thing kept creeping in and we we had to finally listen to that voice. And so here it is, we make mead. And so how did that, how did, what was the first kind of big, big risk, big jump? How did you go from living in Iowa and being regular people to business owners in Vermont. (laughs) Right. Well, let's see. So we came out here almost exactly six years ago to look at a place to rent. So we put together a business plan, but we actually came out here, stood in buildings and looked around and we found our spot. And so that was January of 2013. And that's really when we consider everything started. And we were in this giant empty box of a space, 3,000 square feet with 22-foot ceilings, and it was just a complete blank slate, and we had no idea. And this is behind the Costco, where we currently are, but hopefully soon. Not that we ever wanted to leave that space or leave Colchester, because we love Colchester, Vermont, 
but we live up in Swanton, so it will be a shorter commute for us to be in St. Albans. And That'll we love St. Nice. Albans, too. St. Yeah. Albans is, so far has been amazing. There. Yeah, I mean, the, the oh, brewery yeah. up there, right? 14th uh, Star. 14th Star. Pretty awesome. Yes. And so you got some uh, other other peeps yes. in your business. Yes, yes. And we and we know those guys. They're wonderful and so friendly and helpful. And so it's it's been exciting. And, um, and there's also um, Mill River up there that has a restaurant space, which mm. is neat, too. They're great guys. So, yeah, we know a lot of people in the industry, and we know St. Albans and we love St. Albans and they've been wonderful too but we are also sad because we love Colchester it's so tough but uh, how did you start selling did you just we, brew a batch and go farmer's market eat, test no, it or did you can we, it right away or? we decided to we did some different models and we decided to go big basically we we ran the numbers we were going to buy initially smaller tanks than what we started with and then we ran the numbers and saw that we would do better to buy bigger ones capitalize at a higher rate and be able to actually turn over the volumes that would bring us a profit and so our idea from the get-go and that's part of the reason that we make craft mead as opposed to what most people are familiar with which is honey wine style of mead Mm. which is much higher in alcohol usually usually sweeter doesn't tend to have carbonation and it tends to be much more expensive and so that was the other thing there wasn't any mead on the market that we wanted to drink that we could afford (laughs) and so it was both wanting to to be able to get a you know a flagon or a stein of mead and you're kind of selfish you guys right solving your own problems (laughs) right we want to have kids in vermont we want a business (laughs) we want stuff we can afford to drink i mean and for the record, it's been absolutely exhausting and terrifying, and I don't necessarily recommend it unless you're really serious about it because it is a long road to hoe. <laughs> but it has been amazing, and we every time we go back to the drawing board, if we have a really stressful day and we go, well, what, what could we do instead of this? We end up basically recreating the exact thing we're doing. And going, <laughs> I guess we picked the right thing. <laughs> it's just not easy. That's, that's, that is what it is. So... Um, but yeah, so we, we wanted to make this more craft style mead, something more sessionable, something that you could also afford. And so price point has been really important to us all along. And so we've been trying to make sure that we always match the price point of craft beer mm-hmm. so that anyone who wants it can, you know, not anyone, but if you're over 21 and right. you're willing to buy craft beer, you could try our mead as well. And so that's been really important to us in our in our process. So we started out initially basically right off the bat with a distributor. Wow. We were with Feral Distributing here in Vermont. Yeah, great. And they were amazing. They came to the place. They saw our operation. And so they've been carrying us since uh, the very end of 2013 when we finally got up and running. It takes forever to start these, these things because there's all this equipment that has to show up and licensing from the federal government and licensing from the state government and everything. And actually the state was the easy part. Some people complain, but Vermont yeah, the has federal been, process was the federal long. process was long and, and slow, but the state actually all in all has been really supportive and really helpful. So that's been that's really good nice. That's good to hear. That's yes. good to hear. Yes. And can you talk a little bit about sort of how the community has, has been supportive and, mm-hmm. you know, not only folks that help you kind of get the business up and running, but like you guys sort of built this thing out of nothing in the middle of Colchester and, you know, you're not a ton of people know a lot about mead. So you have to kind of create the customer base too. Like, can you talk a little bit about what that's been like? So yes, it's been a huge amount of education and we knew there would be education because we knew we were bringing back a product that was basically unheard of or vastly misunderstood by people who'd had a bad experience with somebody's basement homebrew and, <laughs> right. ooh, but not all mead tastes like that. So tons of education and that's always been a passion of ours in general. And so that, that 
took a lot of time and energy, but it's something that we still really care about. And we continue to do that through our YouTube show, Ask the Mead Maker, and on our blog. We have tons of things that just educate people about mead in general. And the biggest thing has just been getting people to taste it and saying, here, try it. Right. So back in our in our tasting room, back behind Costco, <laughs> which we didn't really think we would have much of a, we didn't think, we, we knew we wouldn't have just random walk-in traffic, although we actually somehow have had people going, oh, I was just driving by. And we go, where? There's nothing back here. <laughs> we just <laughs> lost behind Costco. <laughs> Why were you driving by? But we've had a few of those, but we had people who've sought us out and really wanted to find us. And that created an amazing atmosphere there. And a few years ago, we were told that if we wanted to sell by the glass, we had to get a restaurant license as well. So we did that, which was another long process, but we did that. And we decided if we're going to do it, let's do it. And so we started a Scandinavian-inspired restaurant back there in this little teeny kitchen that's smaller than the room we're sitting in now. And basically, it's the size of our bathroom in the place. <laughs> and we made all these foods that got all this attention from people because we did what we did. It was simple, but it was really good, and people were excited, and it was different from anything else you could find in the area. I had such a cool experience with it because I had someone had told me about it, and I... I was like, this is crazy. Like, I had to check this out. Like, I've never had mead before. I had no idea what to expect. And it was one of your, like, soup nights. Oh, you- yes. Yeah, we used to do bottomless soup on Thursdays, or I think that's when it was. And Yeah, yeah so that was my incentive. I was like, well, I love soup. I got to <laughs> check this out, right? <laughs> and so... Uh, so um, we're like winding through these weird like back roads behind Costco and I'm like where are we going this can't possibly be right and so we finally pull up to this warehouse and there's Uh a sign I'm like okay I guess this is it and like I guess we just go in this door and open the door and there's got to be 60 70 people in there just (laughs) in the shared bathroom oh my god no in this giant warehouse just having a amazing you know the vibes in there were amazing it was like you guys had cool lights you had good music going there was people just like having a time and I was blown away I was like who what why is this here you know this was the most Vermont thing I've ever seen is just like in the middle of nowhere in this weird like that's so bizarre cool. I would say in Vermont, right? We have, oh, my God. Uh, there, Talk you have about to go a hidden dirt, gem. You have to go down these little dirt roads or hidden ways because there's one of three things. There's a big mean dog, <laughs> a dead-end stone wall, or a really cool entrepreneur. Right, right. And, right. and she might be a farmer or he might be a, a mead maker. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> such neat. a cool experience. Yeah, That is really so cool. So can you talk about... Um, What's the difference between Havoc Mead and then the, the Grunfeld sort of the, you know, is it sort of old world, new world, different customer segments or just? Yeah, so that's a that's a, a pretty good starting point. So we started with Grunfeld Meadery and that was just our, our initial creation. And then about a year and a half in, we realized that because we were the only offering that was anything like us on the shelf, the stores were having trouble figuring out where to place us. And you know, because there's one product. And so we decided, let's just have another line. And we asked our uh, assistant brewer at the time <laughs> if he wanted to start his own meadery. And he goes, wait, what, what? And we said, no, really, start, come up with a product line. We'll make it here. You come up with the design. So we actually did all of the design and packaging for Havoc Mead. And the kid doesn't even have a design background. He, I say kid, he's grown up, but um, <laughs> he's younger than me. So he just took a pen and started drawing and he came up with these amazing these amazing logos and we went with it. And so then as we started to have these two brands on the shelf, the stores 
go, oh, I get it. And it's all in cans now because we did start out in bottles and that wasn't quite the right packaging. And then Ironheart Canning came along and they were able to, we were able to get them in with their mobile canning line to package, but we didn't have to buy our own canning line, which was an amazing right. thing for us. And so we get our stuff in cans. We have our two different types of mead and the stores get it they're so putting they, us on they, the they shelf they now they can commit shelf space to it because that's part of the game it, right is getting the right getting right shelf space attention. and the right space on the shelf because if when we were next to the other meads most as i said most of those are honey wines and they're much right. more expensive so it made both types of mead look bad it made them look too expensive it made us look too cheap and it mm. wasn't doing anyone in our industry a service to be on that shelf it and some stores don't have a mead shelf at all but a surprising number do and uh, then we, with the cans, and we said, put us with the cider. Meat is naturally gluten-free also. Put us next to the cider. And it suddenly clicked, and we started to see much more products moving off the shelves, which was great. And then as we've decided, you know, sort of honed our products, we have a few products from Grunfell that we no longer make. We've tweaked some recipes. So Grunfell really is, I mean, Ricky the Mead Maker is the, the mind behind that. He developed these recipes based on his traveling in Scandinavia, living in Denmark, and studying Norse mythology and all those sorts of things. So we have these Scandinavian-inspired names. And so Nordic Farmhouse that I was discussing earlier with the cranberry and the wild yeast is based on a farmhouse style of mead that probably would have had lingonberries in Scandinavia, but mm. very similar to the cranberry. And you know, here in New England, of course, we have to have cranberries. And then we have these just much more we don't use any um new world ingredients in these products either whereas with havoc meat it's sort of a playground we get to do what we want and it's definitely geared toward havoc meat is geared towards craft beer drinkers if you want something intense and fun and interesting that's a Mm -hmm. great way to go and i like products from both i mean i I, I have to be the final taste test on all of them. So I, yeah. I have to approve them before they go out the door. So, and I like them all. But there is sort of a different feel to both yeah. both product lines. Yeah, it's really smart. It's such an interesting interesting move, Cre- you know, basically creating a whole shelf, you know, basically. Yeah, we had no competition, so yeah. we sort of had to make our own. Yeah, and, and that shows the value of competition, too, is that yes. you have to create a category, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's sometimes perception of, you know, if – if it's real, there's more than one option. Right. Right. And I'll yeah. be a category. Are, are you finding cider drinkers step into mead or is it beer drinker? Like, where do people come from? Are, or is it all new drinkers or, or? All of the above. All of the above. We do get people who are gluten free and they're not fans of cider or they're wanting something different after drinking too much cider. <laughs> and that's certainly a segment that is going to like it, especially the people who used to be beer drinkers and then found out they couldn't have it and they miss it. There's something about mead that is different and you can do so many different things with honey because, you know, apples are apples and they're going to carry their flavor through. And, you know, if you think about what you can pair with apples, you're a little bit more limited, but honey is good for savory and sweet and all kinds of different dishes. So Mm -hmm. And if you think about cultures that use it from, you know, Middle Eastern food to some of our traditional foods from New England, and they're all so different in their flavor profile. So honey is very, very versatile. So we've tried to give a wide variety of flavors, and people tend to find something that they like in our product line. But we get a lot of people who are just any any craft beverage. And we're getting a lot more people who are just craft beverage drinkers, not craft beer drinkers. People who are into craft liquor, other types of cool country wines it's can you like profile these folks pretty soon when they walk in the door you'd be like oh yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> this sometimes, dude's going for sometimes. this product. I've had a lot of surprises, though. I try not to profile too quick because I've had a lot of surprises. And I get Good. profiled, too. As a woman, people walk in and they go, and they see that the cranberry meat, of course, is a pinkish-reddish color. And they go, is that a girly drink? And I'm like, it'll take the finish off your teeth. Try it. But Ooh, we get that. Nice. But the men who serve it don't get asked if it's a girly drink. So, and sometimes women ask if it's a girly drink too. And I go, trust me, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't make a girly drink. That was a, that was another really cool part of the experience. I, whoever was bartending at the time, I was, I was, you know, we were like, oh, we've never been here before. They're like, do you drink mead? We're like, no, not really. And they're like, great. They were so excited. <laughs> they were like, you're gonna try everything. And they just kept handing us samples, and we were just like tasting, tasting, tasting. And we we're like. And we're like, okay, I think we know what we want now. They were just so excited to like bring us through this experience and that we were sort of like blank slates for them. Um, So one of the things that we had come across when we were like learning a little bit more about you is Ask the Mead Maker, um, which is this YouTube series that you guys started. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It's also, listeners, please check it out. It's awesome and hilarious. Yes. It's a hoot. It's, It's been fun. So we started that, well early on when we had too much time on our hands and we've kept it up every other week we do pre-kid I assume pre-kid oh, yeah yes. probably, in pre- fact, re- probably pre-revenues right? we, annou- <laughs> we announced that yes yeah we I don't even know if we had we had product I think but barely um we, we yeah we even announced that we were about to have a baby on the show oh nice that was our first public announcement so that's awesome um that was fun we got a little future mead maker onesie that oh, believe it or not you can buy um, and Etsy? so someone sent us one. Um, let's see, what is he? I think he's the meatest. The meatest. The meatest. Okay. He's a graphic designer who's actually from Vermont originally, and now he lives, I think, now lives in Boston. And I used to I follow his blog because he had some really cool designs that are very modern, sort of mead related things. Nice. So hopefully he's still out there doing stuff. And, All right. And, we'll uh, check him out. Yeah. So, uh, so. The YouTube show started because we wanted to educate people. People didn't know about mead or they didn't know how to make, you know, they wanted to make it at home, but they didn't know much. The, the information on the internet was limited. There was a great resource called gotmead.com. And given the name, you can guess that it's been around since Got Milk was a thing, right? right. So it's been around for a long time, but an amazing forum because people kept adding to it. And it's also founded by a woman, Vicki Rowe. So really cool resource but also just a lot and so we wanted Overwhelming. to sort of have a succinct way to give advice answer real questions we didn't know if we'd get real questions but within the first few episodes we started getting real questions coming in from people who watched the first couple and then they would email us or post in the comments which was really amazing and so it sort of went from there and it's mostly goofy one person told us it was the most entertaining but least educational quote-unquote <laughs> educational program on youtube <laughs> you're like thank so, you that's an yes. award you too yeah. right? we, were, we were pleased we were flattered because we mostly try to make it fun and then if people want to delve deeper we have articles that are much more in depth on our blog and i always link to them below the the youtube um show and it's it's such a cool way to get a feel for your brand too like, you know dave and i both pulled it up and we're just I, we're like sitting next to each other with our headphones on, both laughing out loud. Totally really destroying the co-working experience. <laughs> giggling, and we weren't synced. We were at different times. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, I've been that person on the airplane what, watching uh, my own movie. So owning your own business, right? What, what's what been really educational? Like, is there something in particular you would have loved to have prepared for ahead of time or... Oh, gosh. So, I mean, I knew that there was a lot to learn and that we'd have to figure it out on the go. I think one of the biggest things I would have advised myself if I, you know, talked to my startup 
myself. I would have said to reach out to more people to ask questions mm. and just try to find answers from whomever. Because a lot of people are really willing to help in any situation. And I think there probably were scenarios where I was I was too unduly stressed and anxious. And if I had reached out to people, I probably would have felt I would have had support and advice and people pointing me towards other people who could help. And I think if I'd done that more, that would have probably saved me some restless nights. The other thing that I keep reminding myself, especially now that we're in the process of hopefully buying a building, is everything takes longer than you expect, and just be prepared for that. And I thought I was prepared when we first started up, and I still wasn't ready for how long it took for everything to get going. And we were apparently fast for the industry, because it only hmm. took a year wow. to get up and running. That's so. crazy. So those are the two things I think that I've that I've learned and I try to apply going forward now as, yeah. as I'm dealing with similar so- sorts of new questions, new things I don't know. And now at least I know more people to reach out to, but I think there were lots of people that if I had just picked up the phone, sent an email or knocked on their door, they would have been happy. Totally. So to don't be afraid know, to ask. But I was, right? yes. Yeah. Exactly. You never know if you don't, if you don't ask. Exactly. So you're, you're hopefully fingers crossed moving to St. Albans soon. Uh-huh. What's the, what's the sort of long-term plan for you guys? Do you have sort of next steps and what, what this is going to look like? So so the building in St. Albans will be production only. Mm-hmm. And we did this because we need to, to expand production. We are now in, we're in three states. We'll be expanding into some others because we have some signed contracts. So we're getting out there more into the market and getting, getting out into places besides Vermont, which has been really exciting. And I care a lot about Vermont, so we're not going anywhere. We're staying here. But we also want to make sure that we're providing really good jobs for our employees, helping to support the state as a whole. And we see getting our product out into a wider region as being part of that that process. Yeah. And I, I mean, as sad as it must be for you guys to be closing down the, the tasting room, the restaurant, you know, being it, there's so many events and that yes. I know I have a friend who, who does that for a living and it's endless, you know, like Uh you could just go to events forever and have that be all you do. So, but that's, that's how you get this in people's hands. And there's so much, you know, it's not like beer where there's very little education you need to give with beer. You know, you hand it to someone they like, but they don't like it with meat. It's a little bit different. You have to coax people into trying it. And, and so I could see how that, you know, channeling all of your time and energy into production to get outside of Vermont and, and events yes. could be big. Yes. And, the, and with events and with us closing our, we, you know, our meat hall, as we call meat it, hall. That's, uh, our go. restaurant and tasting room with closing that is really sad for us. And we are l- actively looking for ways to, you're going to have another one. We're going to have another one at some point. And we're trying to, we're hopefully we'll be taking it on the road and doing a pop-up meat hall around the state because the biggest thing that we care about is, as I said, we care about Vermont. We care about people. We, are working to bring this idea of feasting back and that people people are stressed and anxious and spending more time isolated just staring at their phones and so the meat hall was created partly to encourage people to turn back towards one another we didn't have a free wi-fi password we wanted people to put their phones away break out a board game have a conversation meet someone new and we don't we don't have those opportunities a lot anymore and so that's the saddest thing about letting that go is not having that place for people and the the sadness from our regulars was just overwhelming and mm-hmm. so 
Yes, we are looking to They'll make something back. that That's find just a temporary. permanent home. St. Albans is great. Are you working with it Tim is. Smith up there? Yes, yeah, yes. At the, uh, the regional development course. Yep. Tim is a real deal economic developer. He's, he's, he's great. Really he actually also, awesome resource. the building that we're looking at, he helps to build it. So he's he knows a lot. He he's a great a guy. Lot. You're, <laughs> nice. you're in good hands there. Um, I like that. Feasting. Feasting. So. Yeah, more feasting. Um, so final season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, is there a particular mead I should just have through this f- series? I mean, it's coming up soon, right? So two that come to mind. One, Valkyrie's Choice, as I said. That's our flagship. That is the one that's just straight mead. That's a That would be a traditional, like in, the Vikings would have used that as a ceremonial mead. So it's a little bit higher in alcohol. Mm. Yeah, they they would throw Classy. other things in, right. but when it was just honey, that's special. Because okay. honey is, right. is special. So the other one, because I know in that show, in Game of Thrones, everybody dies. So the other one I might recommend is from Havoc, Psychopomp. It's a sour cherry meat. And you know what a psychopomp is? No. Psychopomp is a mythical creature that ferries you from the living world to the afterlife. Spooky. Gets and me so, in the Valhalla. Yes. Yeah. So a Valkyries were also a psychopomp. They would swoop down on the battlefield and pick up the valorous slain and bring them to Valhalla. Psychopomp, the cherry mead from Havoc, is a nice tart cherry. It's really tasty, um, and it has a raven on the front. They were also a traditional okay, psychopomp. Okay, cool. All right, thank mythology. you. Sorry about that. So those are my two recommendations. All right. Root of all evil, has a, all evil has a little evil, you know, and there's some evil in that show, but I would say those two, Valkyrie's Choice and wow, Psychopomp. Wow, that was an incredibly thoughtful answer. She was ready <laughs> to go on that. I, I don't think you're the first person that's asked her that. Well, I was waiting at the end, so if it didn't go out, we could edit it out easy. But <laughs> Perfect. I, I think we'll keep it in here. So speaking to the end, Sam. Yeah. And time for the magic wand question. Kelly, mm. if you could change one thing about Vermont today, mm. what would it be? Mm. That's a tough one. We're going to need the theme music. <laughs> we should have done that from the start, really. <laughs> I didn't anticipate pe- people being so thoughtful. I know. I just what? was like front lobe answer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> More bees, you oh know. My like <laughs> Let's see. So, I think the biggest thing that I would love to see in Vermont, probably in our country in general, is more safety for people. I want people to feel comfortable and safe. And there's a lot of rural poverty here. There's a lot of people struggling. People, I live in Swanton and people are saying, oh, you have to move out of Swanton when your kids are in school because you want to go to a good school. And I'm like, I think it's a really good school. I know people up there. And I want people to feel safe and secure and for us to have good education for our kids, good support for people. And so that would be the biggest thing is to like try to alleviate some of that anxiety from people. Yeah, you can't learn if you don't feel safe. Exactly. And so that, I don't know, the magic wand would just do it, right? Yeah, that's the beauty of the magic wand. We we wouldn't have have to to push any policies through or anything. It would just happen, right? That's what I, I I would love to see people safe and comfortable and not anxious. That's a great answer, (laughs) Kelly. I love that answer. Get rid of anxiety. that aspiration. (laughs) I could use that. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. Please follow us on Twitter at VSET, that's V-C-E-T. Thanks for listening. Please be nice to bees. Let's get back to work.